I'd just like to welcome you here. For those who do not know me, my name is Milo. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's so great that we get to be together today on Good Friday. So can I ask you just to turn to someone you don't recognize. Just turn around, take the time, look at them, point them out and say, hey, hi. Uh, Coffee date afterwards. No, no, be careful, be careful. To everybody online, we are so glad that you have joined us today as well. We know you guys are probably like the coolest people at this moment. You're probably watching in your pajamas. Uh, I tried it this morning and my wife sent me back inside. It was, yeah, yeah, let's just leave it there. So we are so glad that you guys have joined us for our series called, Have You Heard? We are going through Easter and we are talking about, have you heard, have you heard what Jesus has done? Have you heard that he came for you? Have you heard that it's all about you? And today we want to talk about, have you heard why he did it? Because that is what it's all about today as we have a look at Good Friday. Today is a very significant day on the calendar of every single Christian across the world. And uh, we celebrate it as Good Friday, but it's a really bad Friday if we only think about what Jesus did. Because what he did was, uh, he, he went to the cross, he died for us, he got beaten, he got bruised. How many of you guys have been in a fight? It ain't lacquer. He got whipped, he got st- stabbed. I don't know who, who's been stabbed lately, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sure it's sore. But, and, and I don't want to downplay anything, but it's a really bad day if we only link it to what Jesus did. But it becomes an amazing day, and we get to fully understand what Good Friday is about when we look at why he did it. Because that is the thing that changes everything. We have a look at why it happened. The motive behind this day is summed up in one word. Love. That is why Jesus died on the cross. That is why he went through all that pain was because he loved us. Because of love, it's a love that God the Father wanted to introduce to the world. It is a superior love that no one has ever understood or experienced up until that point. It's not a love that God has. It's a love that God is. And we need to understand this. And um, what I'm going to do is like try and, and, and paint the picture of this love. It's that love. You know that love that goes, um, there's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Okay, wait. Let me put it in different words for those that don't understand it. It's this kind of love that we'll understand. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep him from getting to you. I I was going to sing, but we want people to come back on Sunday. But that is the kind of love that we, 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 God wanted to introduce to us. You see, it's, um, there might be stuff that keeps us from getting to him, hey, But there is nothing that can stop him or keep him from getting to us. And that is what we discover on this thing called Good Friday. It's a radical love. It's a love that will pursue you always. It's that stalker kind of love. 
You know, that, that love that will pursue you until you actually give into it. That will wait you out as you go through your seasons of craziness in life. It's a love that when we get that revelation, we will understand this is really a good day. So today, as we have a look at Easter and we go through our series, Have You Heard? I want to talk about this particular heading. Have you heard that you are worth it? As we go through Easter and Good Friday, we are going to look at it from this point that you are worth it. Before we start, can we pray? So Lord Jesus, today we celebrate. We, we actually stand still and we turn around and we look back at what you did on the cross. And today as we sit in your, in your presence, we're going to find out why you went to the cross. Because there has to be a why behind the what, otherwise it will never make sense. And Father God, so we pray today that as we unpack your word, that you will just bring revelation, you will bring life, you will bring hope and encouragement, love and joy. We bless your name. Amen. Today, I'd like you to turn with me to your Bibles, in your Bibles, uh, to the book of Luke. We're going to be chatting um, through a portion of passage of Scripture in the Bible, in Luke, and we're going to be starting in chapter 23. Now, what happened up until the buildup of where we're going to be reading is Jesus was handed over to the Pharisees, the, the Romans, they didn't have any um, reason to put him on the cross, but they beat him, they broke him, they ripped his flesh apart, he was bleeding, they put a crown of thorns on his head and they made him carry his cross from one place to another. And then we pick up the scripture in verse 32, and it reads as follows, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. Isn't it cool that even in your darkest moments, you'll never be alone? When things are really bad, there will always be someone with you. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God the Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. I have come to realize in life that you never fully understand the purpose of a process, especially when you're in it at that point in time. You will never fully understand the purpose of a process until it has completed its desired outcome, or once it has reached its desired outcome. Now, we can find that in all walks of life. School. How many of you guys know, when you're in school, what is the purpose of school? We had it. We can look at gym. How many of you gym freaks out there? No one? Okay, you guys all love Jesus. I love that. So I, I tried to go to gym. And uh, this week, I tried to do squats from the pit of hell. 
oh, it's awful. The pain, you know, the bar on your shoulders, you might look manly in the mirror, but when you're down, you don't sound manly coming out. <laughs> I'm glad my wife wasn't there, and I had nothing to prove because I'm married already. You know, so coming up was like, ooh, you know. So in the process, it hurts. Hey, it's painful. It is uncomfortable. And how many of you guys know, even afterwards, um, I was stiff. I'm still stiff at this moment. I, I'm just trying to concentrate how to walk straight. You, you know, and, and so afterwards, there's all this pain. There's a whole process that you have to go through, but you'll never understand why you have to do that until a few weeks later when you see the change in your body, when you see the strength that it has brought you when it shows you that you're no more wearing a Batman utility belt, but you're actually wearing a belt now. You know, you never understand the full process until it's reached its desired outcome. And that is what is happening as we read through this passage. Jesus is being crucified. He's being beaten, broken. His blood is being spilt every single drop. And at this point in time, everybody's looking at it, and they don't understand what is actually happening. Because at that moment, the disciples, the people cheering, are expecting something. And the desired outcome of what is in everybody's heart is not being fulfilled. And we've got to see it from this point of view, that when Jesus went to the cross, he traded sin for forgiveness. That is why Jesus went to the cross. Have you heard why he went to the cross? So that our sin could be traded for forgiveness. It wasn't good then because they didn't fully understand why, but Jesus knew. As they were nailing him to the cross, I, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever been taunted? Has someone ever said something to you in a horrible way or made fun of you? What was your response? Your ma. <laughs> Mark like a course. Hey, no, we, we were like, really? Really? You said what? But Jesus's response as they're actually nailing him to a cross to die is going, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand it yet, but forgive them. And what we need to understand is that we, there is a price that needs to be paid for forgiveness. Let me put it in this way. Um, growing up, uh, we used to stay in the street that had a cul-de-sac. Hey, how many of you guys used to play in the street? How many of you guys still play in the street? How many of you guys wish your kids played in the street? I'd pay them to play in the street. Doesn't work. But in any case, when I was growing up, we, we, we used to play in the street. Everything. Cricket, soccer. Uh, we didn't try rugby. I don't know why. Um, so there was this one specific day. We were playing cricket. And one of, we were all a bunch of friends. And this guy bowls. And a friend of mine that stayed in the same street, he hooks this ball, man. But... Man, it's a sweet spot. We all just stand there, and we smile, and we're like, that is it. And then the unthinkable happens. It hits one of our neighbor's windows. 
goes straight through the window. Later that day, my friend paid the price with a hiding. Oh, we got beaten. He never did it again, though. But let, let me explain something else. After he got a hiding, he had to go to the neighbor who came back home later to tell them what happened. And my friend and his dad had to pay for the damages. But you see, this is what forgiveness is, because there is a price for forgiveness. Forgiveness would have been that the neighbor whose window got broken would say, you know what? Don't pay for it. I'll sort it out. That is forgiveness, because forgiveness will cost you something. Forgiveness would cost that guy whose window got broken something. So Jesus realized that he has to come to earth to pay for something that we broke. Because we broke a relationship with God, and Jesus goes, it's okay. I don't want them to pay for it. I'll pay for it. Forgiveness cost him his entire life. But he did it because you are worth it. Look at someone and say, I'm worth it. Come on, if you have never thought of this in your entire life, you are worth it. I'm telling you today, you are worth it. In the comments online, say, I am worth it. No, not me, Milo, you. You are worth it. That is what the cost of forgiveness is all about. Jesus came to pay that price. That's because he believes we are worth it. As everyone was screaming, save yourself. Not only did it cost him something, but he realized he had nothing to prove by coming off the cross. He didn't have to prove to them who he was by coming off the cross. He had something to prove. He had to show them who he was by staying on that cross because it had to be a full price, not with 10% discount. He had to stay there until it was over. And that is what Jesus did. He wasn't, it wasn't about him in that moment. It was about you. It was about me. It was about love. He didn't stop there. How many of you guys know there are times when we receive forgiveness, but then there's still that um, effects of our past that pursue us? How many of you guys have experienced that? Hey, you've done something wrong, you've been forgiven, but then there's always that stain of what you've done. Hey, that, look, because, hey, that's the kid that broke the window. So instead of offering him a contract to play cricket, they're like, hey, play that. <laughs> There's always something that lingers after, and that is also why Jesus came. Let's see, carry on. Luke 23 from verse 39, it reads as follows. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done absolutely nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
So as the creator is being crucified by his creation, hanging on a cross, they still look at him and they mock him. They still look at him and they condemn him. They still look at him and they label him. And in all of that, Jesus still responds out of love. Because one guy goes, you know what, Lord? I deserve what I have done. This is all on me. But will you please just remember me? And this is the next thing that we see. As Jesus goes to the cross, he exchanges the shame of everything we've experienced for grace. Because, like I said, we can be forgiven, but we can hold on to the identity of our past hurts, our past mistakes, our past mishaps, our past betrayals, our past. Our past is something that we always stick on us. And the thing that shame does at that moment is shame is like a magnifying glass that highlights those things. Have you noticed? It's like, oh, there's Alison. She's amazing, but do you hear what she did? You see, we're going through the series, Have You Heard? Shame always goes, have you heard about the bad? Where Grace goes, have you heard what Jesus did and it's good? And that is what shame does. It always makes us focus on the bad. Shame comes after we've been forgiven because we're always putting stuff on us. It lies about us. It tells us we aren't good enough. It tells us we are inadequate. It tells us you are undeserving of anything. How many of you guys stopped pursuing something because you didn't feel equipped enough to do it? And that is what shame does. Shame says, not your turn. Take a step to the side. We're waiting for someone better. Shame makes you level up to other people. It puts you in competition with the person next to you. But that is not why Jesus came. As there is shame, he looks on us and he goes, we've got to change that. We've got to change that. Because we will always focus on our inadequacies if we never understand the whole thing of grace. Um, I was in a church before we moved to Cape Town. That's a good thing. I was in church. And uh, we started an evening service called the Live at Five. And this one specific Sunday evening, I was asked to preach, man, unprepared. And last minute they go, we've got to change everything. Milo, you've got to preach this way. And I'm like, oh, my word. I have no idea what I'm going to do now. So I get up, I preach. But have you ever, now, now, when people preach, you know, and it's a really bad one, they say, have, have you heard the lemon that he preached? You know, it was, it was so bad. It was one of those preachers that, you know, you know it's bad when your mom, who's your biggest supporter, goes. <laughs> or when your wife afterwards, who normally, like, encourages you, gets there and go, it's okay, let's go get a burger. You want a burger? You want to? I'll, I'll buy you the shop. You know, it was one of those preachers. And... If I had to realize, or if I didn't realize that there's grace, I would have allowed that specific event 
to stop me from getting to this point where God has called me to be. Because no matter how often we are forgiven, if we continue to put shame on us, it stops us and we focus on what is bad, what is wrong, what we can't do, and we never move forward. We will change course completely. And that is not what God wants for you. That is not what God wants for us. It reminds us of our faults, our failures, our weakness. But grace comes in and says, you're more than enough. It doesn't matter. It's an event. It's not your life. Grace says, it doesn't matter what you've done. You don't have to do anything. I've done it. So Jesus came and he died for our sins. He forgave us. And then he's like, I don't even want you to think about that. Because in the word says, when we become Christ followers, Jesus remembers our sin no more. God remembers our sin no more. Do you know what no more is? Uh, was, you know, Louis sent me all these things, these Greek write-ups because I don't understand it. And he's like, Milo, this is what no more means. It means no more. No more. He doesn't even have a little journal or a, you know, a note on his phone. It's like, Milo, ooh, blank. I've just got his number. His birthday, 21st November. Um, anniversary. But I love him. And that is what grace does. Grace takes shame and puts it away somewhere where you will never find it. And he goes, you are more than enough. Grace takes someone like Peter, who messes up, denies God, and in turn goes, this is the man on whom I'm going to build a church. That is what grace does. It doesn't remember about the faults. We do. How many of you guys can preach up a sermon, a storm, about the things that Peter did? But Jesus goes, I don't remember that, but watch what he's going to do. That is what grace does. Grace turns to a criminal on a cross and it's like, I don't really care what you did because you are going to be with me in paradise. Grace looks at you and goes, it's okay. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Romans 8.1 echoes these words. It says, therefore, there is now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've got the saying, I don't judge much. <laughs> Jesus doesn't judge at all. That is what it's all about. Grace comes in and says, there is no condemnation if you are in Christ. If you believe him, if you believe who he is, Stop looking at yourself through the lens of shame. Because it's dirty. It doesn't show you the real picture. Like, a lot of times I will stand next to people and they'll always tell me, Milo, can I clean your specs? Because it's dirty. And I don't get to see properly. But we need to start looking at ourselves through the lens of the cross. Through the lens of what Jesus did on this day over 2,000 years ago. Because it's the same way God looks at us through what Jesus did. And it's with love and acceptance. You are more than enough. So 
look at yourself differently. I want to kind of close with this. Let's read one more passage in Luke 23, and we're going to start at verse 44. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Iscom was around. For the, sorry, for the sun had stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, I just need to explain what that curtain was. In the temple, where all the Israelites, the Jews, went to go worship, there was this curtain, a really thick, massive curtain that separated the presence of God from His people. The Creator separated from His creation by a curtain, a thick curtain. How many of you guys have ever torn a t-shirt? I breathed and I tore one. This was not that kind of tearing. You couldn't tear this specific curtain. But at the point of Jesus dying, God said, now's the time, my people. No longer will you be separated from me. Now I will be with you. And we need to understand, we can't just read over that because that's not when we stepped into his presence. That's when the presence stepped into ours. Enough was enough. I'm not going to let anything keep me back from my people. Ain't no value low enough. Ain't no river wide enough. Nothing, nothing man-made, nothing man-thought is going to stop me from stepping into your world, into your space. And that is what happened. Let's carry on reading. Sorry. Jesus called, verse 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. And this is what I wanted you to take. This is my last point. There is nothing more you need to do. There is nothing more for you to do. If we only look at what he'd done, we go, and Jesus breathed his last breath. But where we understand why he did what he did, we get to read it as, and then Jesus breathed his last breath. Because at that point, I love John's account of the whole crucifixion. Because at that point in time, he goes, and Jesus says, it is finished. There is nothing more for you to do. There's nothing more for you to do. And that is the exciting thing about it. You don't have to strive to get into his presence. You can just stand there, right there where you are. Close your eyes. Sit right there. I just want you to close your eyes. To get into his presence is simply going... Hello, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I want to meet with you right now. That is all we need to do. But to get to Him, there is nothing we have to do because He did everything. 
He loves you so much. And, and, and something, uh, something that really hit me at this point in time is that we need to start walking different from that point. We need to start walking different from that point. Galatians 5, 1 reads this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So we've been forgiven. We've been given grace. Shame is off us. But after that, don't go and put something on you. Stand in the freedom that God has given you. Because I've told people this before. A lot of times we come out of something. God rescues us out of something, out of addiction, out of pain, out of poverty, out of anything that is not His. And then we walk around labeling ourselves through the past that we have just come out of. Hi, my name is Milo. I'm a recovering drug addict. No, you're not. You are Milo, son of the Most High God, free from sin, grace thrown over you, totally set free. Don't chain yourself to anything else. Be like my son. My older son, his name is Judah, and he loves teasing his brother and sister. And he's adopted this saying, when I say goodnight to them, when I say hello to them, when I shout for them across the rugby field and I go, hey, Judah, he goes, it's me, his favorite, he's looking for me. <laughs> we need to adopt that. When we get into the presence of God, you are his favorite, favored son. You are his favorite, favored daughter. You're nothing less. Come on. Oh, woe is me. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. No, that's not who we are. You are free. And whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. Not free like my dogs, like I'm free and then I pull the chain and like, oh, I'm not free. It's free to go, free to move, free to love, free to pursue. You are free. Have you heard why it's Good Friday? Because he died on the cross. Because you are worth it. Can we pray? Oh, that is why it's a Good Friday, because of love. It's the love that casts out fear, that removes anxiety, that takes away stress, that allows me to step up when others say, step away. It's a love that runs after me. So Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for that love. Thank you for that love that said, there is nothing that's going to stop me from getting to my people. He loves you. He loves you. I want you to say your name quickly. What's your name? My name is Milo. Say your name. Say it out loud. He loves me. Say that. Milo, he loves me. You've got to tell yourself, that you are loved. Because there are going to be days that other people won't tell you that. 
And you've got to remember why he did it. So, Father God, I just pray over everybody, your love today, wherever we may have forgotten it. Freedom today, wherever we have chained ourselves to something. Free from guilt. Free from shame. Free from disappointments. Free from our past. Free from finding approval from other people. Thank you for freedom. And what I want to do right now is before we close, I want to give you an opportunity here in the auditorium and online. If you have never given your heart to Jesus, if you want to go, I need to be set free right now. I've got these things that are weighing me down. I want to live a life knowing that I am worth it. I want, you, I want to introduce you to my Father. And the Word says the only way to the Father is through Jesus. You cannot experience this love without Jesus. So I would like to ask you to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life today. So while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that is you today, I'm going to ask everybody in the auditorium to say it so that you don't feel nervous. And you online, can you just repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know my life has been filled with sin. It's the way I lived without you in it, without you a part of it. And today I want that freedom. And so I make a decision today to turn away from that life and to pursue you always. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I give you my words. I believe in faith that you died on the cross on this Friday, taking my sin and shame with you. And it got nailed there so that I could be free from that. And three days later, I believe that you are alive because you rose again and you are seated next to God the Father. So I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just give everybody a hand? If that was you today, if you were here and you said that prayer here in the auditorium, I would like you to meet me after the service here in front. would love to pray with you and chat to you about the decision that you have made. If you are online and that is a decision you have made, go to our website, fill out our Connect card, tell someone what you did. If you've got no one to tell, tell us. And we will get into contact with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to talk you through this new journey. And we are excited that we get to say this. Welcome to the family. We are crazy, but you're a part of it now. So come on. We are so glad. So let us just pray. So Lord, bless everybody today. May we find freedom in your words. May we find freedom in you. May we find hope in you. And may we know that grace is more than enough for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.